team in Redemption Kids. And the adults and everyone who stays in the room can open your copy of God's life-giving word to the book of 1 Thessalonians. And as you turn there, uh, I have a few words of gratitude to share uh, with you. So uh, number one, uh, it is time to let you know, Redemption Hill, that we finished the year very strong financially, okay? And that is a big thank you to God for the ways that he moves and moves through our hearts to give financially out of what he's entrusted to us. Uh, we had our largest giving month at the end of the year in December uh, that put us over in terms of a surplus of our expenses and, and, and revenue. Uh, so the, the bottom line is we finished really strong and we're super thankful for that uh, because, you know, not only do we need to pay the rent and, you know, staff our, our team and all of that, uh, but 11% but of every dollar we give at Redemption goes immediately outside of Redemption Hill to serve the mission of God in Boston and way beyond all over the world. So I want to say thank you uh, as one of the pastors here, my name is Tanner Turley, I serve as our lead pastor, but on behalf of all of our pastors, all of our staff, uh, thank you for your faithfulness, and uh, if you're like, oh, there's opportunities to give, well, there are, and you can find them online, on our app, uh, you can take next steps, but many of you gave for the first time probably in December, and we want to say thank you for that, uh, but thank you for your continued faithfulness in, in giving. Um, and then also, if you are new, I want to say thank you for joining us today on behalf of everyone here at Redemption Hill. We love people because our God loves people. And if you're new, you came on a, the right Sunday because we actually have a free dinner for you. Now, I know it's like, hey, I just came for the first time. I may not want to come to dinner tonight. And that is cool. You don't have to come to dinner. But if you want to come to dinner tonight, if you've never been to our newcomer's dinner, whether it's your first time, your 10th time to Redemption Hill, we want to see you tonight at our home. Marcia and I would love to have you. We're going to be serving the best pizza in Boston with some healthy options as well, a little salad or whatever. So please join us and that we would love to see you there. Well, uh, as we get into 1 Thessalonians, I have another word of gratitude that I want to share with you. And that is, my parents are in the house today. Can we, that's right. Uh, Curtis and Brenda Turley, uh, my parents are amazing. Uh, which you would have guessed knowing how amazing I am. Uh, just, so, uh, but uh, really, really thankful. Uh, you know, my mom's been through different health challenges, really her whole life, diabetes, different things. Uh, but the way she perseveres, I just want to honor her for, for a moment. Um, because the Bible says to honor um, one another, and particularly your parents. And my mom is a picture of grace and perseverance through difficulty. And um, if, you, if you ever need some help in that area, uh, I will connect you to her, all right? She, she could tell you some stories of God's, God's grace and God's faithfulness. Uh, so I'm super thankful for my mom, and my dad's all right, too. And you guys have probably heard, my, you probably heard a little bit about my dad. You know, I love basketball, and what about Tatum's three-pointer at the end of the game? I'm just saying that was nice. And, uh, you know, my dad was, was uh, one of the, really the greatest coaches in Kentucky high school history that's... Uh, undebatable, 32 seasons, 624 wins, all this. Yeah, you can clap for him. That's right. 
Uh, he was a little hard on me at times, at halftime, uh, but, uh, but, but, but he was also the reason that I was a decent ball player. And um, we, we had a lot of fun together. And one of the things that my dad always taught our teams was that basketball is a team sport. And I'm sure he didn't like wear out this little, you know, uh, mantra, but you see it kind of everywhere in sports. There is no I in team. Have you ever heard this? Maybe you've heard it in the workplace. You have it on your, you know, office, you know, whiteboard or whatever. There is no I, letter I, in the word T-E-A-M, team, right? And that is because we know that it takes all of us, no matter uh, what the endeavor is, to work together. It's not one individual, but it is a collective group of people that are working together to accomplish a vision, purpose, and goal. And this is the mindset that we came to Medford with in the summer of 2010. We planted, we started Redemption Hill Church from a group of seven adults and six little kids. And we came to Medford as a team to serve Jesus together. We knew that we could do far more together than we could ever do alone. We, we looked at the New Testament, the Bible, and we never saw Jesus sending out his disciples alone, but he would send them out in pairs, in groups to serve together. Even the Apostle Paul, as he carried the gospel from city to city, we see it right here in the book of Thessalonians that he wasn't alone. He was partnering up with people like Silas and Timothy to carry the gospel hundreds and hundreds hundreds of miles so that more people could hear the good news of Jesus. There is no I in team. Amen? Amen. There is no I in team, but there is a you in us. There is a you in us. You hear me? You follow me? Redemption Hill needs you. We need you. We can't be us without you. And this is, listen, if you hear, if you've been around Redemption Hill very long and you've heard enough sermons, listen, you, you have certainly heard this sentiment again and again and again. That, that it takes all of us, that it's not just, you know, a leader here or a few leaders there or a few individuals living the life of Christ that's going to make a church. That's a group of people who follows Jesus together. Okay, it, that's not going to make a church a great church. What's going to make a church a great church is when all of us, when you get serious about the mission of God and following Jesus with, with everything we have. I love that when, when Jesus, uh, you know, sent out his 12 disciples or when he, he sent out his 70 disciples to carry the message of the kingdom of God and to do the work of the kingdom of God, to heal the sick and to, to cast out demons and to, to bring his, his message uh, to the, the people all over Israel. He didn't, he didn't, watch this, he didn't just say, okay, like, I've got 12 of you. I'm satisfied with kind of a 50-50 split. So you six, you get my authority. You six, good luck. I mean, did, did Jesus do that? 
He didn't, he didn't take the 70. He's like, okay, this time, 70-30 split, you know, whatever that math is, you can do it. We've been working on percentages with my sixth grader at home. All right, I can't do it spontaneously, but, but, but God's not, he's not doing that. He wants all of us. He wants you in on all of who he is and all that he wants for his people. And I know you may be saying, listen, Pastor Tina, you're all, Jesus has a vision for me. Jesus can do anything. Jesus, whatever. Like, but, Pastor Tanner, that's nice, but you don't know how messed up I am. Or, or Pastor Tanner, I don't have the Bible knowledge of, you know, Emma who teaches our women's events and all this. And, you know, I don't have the passion of, you know, Gabe, he's going to the summer to Hawaii, to Hawaii mission. That's right. He's going because he loves Jesus and he's on mission. And I don't have their knowledge or their passion. or I don't, I don't have a lot of experience. I don't know what to say or do half the time. Well, here's a few things I know. You actually might be kind of messed up right now. You might feel really messed up. You might not have a lot of Bible knowledge or experience in the things of God. But here are three things I know. First off, you're more prepared than you think you are. Number two, the last time I checked, if you follow Jesus, God himself is in you. By the Holy Spirit. And number three, and I love this. You don't know how many times I'm just coming in on a Sunday and saying, God, I know that you use us in spite of us. You don't know how many times I get up here and I'm weak and I I don't feel like I'm prepared enough. And I've been wrestling with how to say whatever and just be faithful with what God has given and And God fills in the gaps. He's so good. And listen, if I can just put a fourth reason on this, because we always want to come back to the gospel, the good news of what Jesus did in his life, death and resurrection. Okay, listen, was it because of you that Jesus died for you? No, 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 and what I'm saying is, you're like, well, he loved me, so because he loved me, he died. What I'm saying is, was it because of any good thing in you that Jesus died for you? No, right, that's clear. We saw that last week. He chose us even before we were born. He, he adopted us and he loved us. It wasn't because of our goodness or, or how ready we were, or good we were, that he brought us into the life of Christ. And so we could ask the follow-up question, then why would we think that it would be because of us that he would use us in the lives of other people? There is no I in team, but there is a you in us. And so the question I want to ask this morning is, why not us? Why not us, Redemption Hill Church? Why not us? You say, Pastor Tina, what are you talking about? Why not us for what? <laughs> this, is, this is for what? Why not us? Why, why couldn't we be one of, preferably, many churches across Boston and America and the world that, that live like this 
Thessalonian church lived. Why, why not us? Why can't we live as an exemplary church? By the filling of Jesus flowing through us. And, and I'm here to say that's exactly what can happen. That's why I've even worded this super intentionally. Okay, we can... We can, because I am saying this, and I know fundamentally, even if theologically, you're like, yeah, God can do that, and he can even meet me. It's like so often, functionally and practically, and we get so, Jonas talked about, we just, so much stuff is happening in our lives that we just keep rolling through our lives day to day, week to week, and not a lot is happening or changing, or there's not a lot of influence that's coming from the life of Christ in us, out of us. But I'm here to say we can. We can live as an exemplary church by the filling of Jesus flowing through us. This is, this is who we desire to be. So look at, look at what Paul says here at the end of verse 5, moving through verse 8 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. It says this. You know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. So that you became, here it is, an example to, are you ready? All the believers in Macedonia and in, okay, we're talking about a region of the world here. We're talking about not just like Massachusetts, not just New England. We're talking about the Northeast. Tons, thousands and thousands of people in areas and towns and cities. He's saying you became an example in these regions. Why? Here, verse 8, look at this. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere. So we need not say anything. Let's pray one more time. Father, we ask. We ask that in these moments, Lord, you would stir our faith. God, that these would be more than moments where we've showed up on a Sunday morning. We made it through a little bit of snow. And now we're listening to, you know, a person talk about the Bible for, you know, another 30 or whatever minutes. And then we go about our lives. God, we hear you saying once again, pay attention. Lord, we're paying attention to you, God. We're, we're asking that you would help us to believe we can. We, we, Lord, we can. God, would you remove the doubt in our minds and hearts for, for the person that's new to all of this, for the person that's struggling and feels like everything is so messed up that they couldn't do any amount of good for anyone else because everything feels so bad within them. Lord, help us to believe we can. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. I want to give you three essential rhythms of an exemplary church this morning, okay? The first one is this. We need to consistently be filled with the life of Jesus. We see this in the back part of verse 5 and 6 and 7, okay? Be fill, filled with the life of Jesus. Paul begins and he says, listen, 
This is how the gospel came to you. It was powerfully shared through us, and the Holy Spirit made it powerful in your heart where you said, you know what, all this stuff about Jesus is true, and it can change my life, and I went in on that. And so Paul begins, and he says, you know what kind of men we prove to be among you, as if to say, not only did our message come powerfully, but our lives backed it up. The word prove is, is like... Uh, something that is tested, like gold or maybe something valuable where we're, we're testing the authenticity of it to make sure that it is the real deal, the genuine article. And Paul is saying, look, you saw our lives, and we didn't just talk a good game about Jesus, but what we were saying about Jesus, we backed it up with our lives. You know what kind of people we proved to be among you. And Paul and Silas and Timothy so clearly displayed the life of Jesus that the Thessalonians wanted to imitate them. When you imitate someone, you want to copy their behavior, right? You want to mimic. The, the Greek word is where we get our word mimic from. That You want to do what they do. You want to sound like they sound. You want to copy their Example. Some, some translations say, you became followers of us. So when they saw Paul loving people in the way that he loved them, and he took that step of love, they took the same step. And when they saw Timothy humbly serve other people, taking of his time and resources to serve them, then they followed in his step. They took that step. Our kids are constantly mimicking, uh, not just us as parents, hopefully, at least in the good days and the good moments, um, but, but, but also they have their own kind of heroes. My daughter, uh, Kessid, she uh, loves art. She's a very talented. She can produce things that I would never dream of, of, of creating. And she has this uh, YouTube, you know, artist that she loves. Her name is Mariah Elizabeth. And, and she watches these videos, and I'll kind of walk by, and I'll see what she's doing. And then two hours later... She's come out of her room or out of, you know, the dining room, and she's produced something that looks pretty amazing and very similar to what she just saw on the YouTube video. Why? Because she's imitating. She's taking what she's learning, and she's copying the principles and the, the designs that she's seeing there from Mariah Elizabeth. And we all do this, right? I mean, we all have, you know, thank God for Jonas and Becky Woods, artists coming up from Rhode Island to bless us, amazing gifted voices. Can we just thank you, thank them, speaking of gratitude, can we thank them today? And now, you know, hey, listen, I mean, I don't know about you, but I mean, Marsha can tell you, like, there's probably going to be some time this week where I'm going home, I'm singing that gratitude, I'm trying to sound like Jonas, you know what I'm saying? I mean, just, do you ever, I know you do this, right? I know you, who's your favorite artist? Who's your favorite band? And that high note that you can never hit in a million years, right, when no one else is around, you think you're hitting that high note. And you are not hitting that high note. But it's like we try because we just think it sounds so good and we want to imitate, we want to mimic, we want to copy. Which, by the way, I want to talk to Pastor Reddy, who oversees our community groups. Pastor Reddy, could we... Could we get a karaoke night in group? I just think that that would be a lot of fun. I mean... You can do it. Like, leaders, you have freedom. I mean, it might send the rest of the people away the next week. But nevertheless, like, you can do that. It would be fun in our groups. But you get the idea. We mimic. We imitate. And this is part of the secret of what it looks like to live worthy of imitation. We, we see it here at the end of verse 5. Paul says, our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power, Holy Spirit, full conviction. You know what kind of man we proved to be among you. Look at these last three words. For your sake. 
for your sake. Paul and Silas and Timothy, they were constantly living others-oriented lives. They They were considering how people were watching them. They were learning what it looked like to follow Jesus. So they knew that their, their words and their actions mattered, that they carried influence as other people were watching their lives. And so Paul knew that, that it, was, it was necessary to live with this kind of other's orientation. It was part of the secret of, of how he lived a life worthy of imitation. But then also, of course, more than that, it was that he had his eyes fixed on Jesus. Because what does Paul say? He says, you became imitators of us and of the Lord. The only, the only way that our lives are worthy of imitation so that someone can look at our example and copy, mimic, or follow what they see is because we are so focused and fixed on Jesus and we are copying and mimicking and following who he is in what he says and does. That's why Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And Paul then shares a couple of ways where the Thessalonians were copying their ways as they were copying the way of Jesus. First he says, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. So I want you to just think about how this works. If you know anything about the life of Jesus, even if you don't, you can take a good guess here and get the answer right, I promise. Okay, so did Jesus go about doing good with his life? Yes, yes, yes that's right. Thank you, Pastor. It didn't take a pastor to answer that one, okay? I know you just, so did Jesus do good things? Yes, absolutely. All the kinds of good He went about, that's what characterized his life. And yet, did Jesus suffer affliction? Yes, absolutely. In fact, so much, sir, and by the way, Paul says they received the word in much affliction. The word much means severe. They they were receiving the word in, in severe affliction, but Jesus, who was also severely afflicted even to the point that at the end of his life, he was not receiving accolades and beautiful eulogies. No, he was crucified on a Roman cross. He was afflicted and persecuted to the point of death. And yet Jesus says, before he dies to his disciples, in this world, you will have trouble. You will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. What kind of trouble would they have? Well, Paul and Silas and Timothy, they experienced severe, much affliction as they carried the gospel from town to town and city to city. We know that in Lystra, Paul was stoned and left for dead. And then when he made his way to Philippi and he started telling people about Jesus, there was, there was an uprising because of things that were going on and people that came against Paul. And they beat them and then imprisoned them before running them out of town. So they make their way to Thessalonica. And what happens there? People start a riot and run Paul out of town again. And so it's in this environment that Paul, being under persecution, is sharing the good news of Jesus, the persecuted one, with the Thessalonians. And they are learning to imitate 
the faith of Paul, Silas, and Timothy as they imitated the life of Christ. And we see this so clearly in 1 Thessalonians. If you want to flip to chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, it says this. For you, brothers and sisters, look at this, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For why? For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out and displeased God and opposed all mankind. So, so what, what's implied here is that the Thessalonians were persecuted, some of them even to the point of death, losing their lives. They received the word in much affliction, And then this next phrase kind of blows our minds, right? With the joy of the Holy Spirit. This is all together. Receiving the word in much affliction, that was their circumstances. But they received it also with the joy of the Holy Spirit. What this teaches us is this. Their suffering did not steal their joy. Their suffering, listen, I know some of you are going through some really difficult times. And I know this world is hard. And I've shared with you that the last couple of years have not been the best couple of years of my life for a variety of reasons. And so I am not unacquainted with challenges, trials, and suffering. And yet... What we learn here is that our external circumstances do not dictate our internal joy. Why? Because joy comes from God. Joy comes from God. Listen, think about this logically, and it will just, as you think about it and pray into it, and you walk with Jesus and you see the Holy Spirit do some crazy stuff in your life, it will become the increasing reality that... Your circumstances can't shake your joy because your circumstances can't shake your God. God is the source of joy. It's not your joy that you received the word in much affliction, but it is the joy of the Holy Spirit. This is what's so wild. This, if, you're, if you're new to Christianity and you've never chosen to follow Jesus with your life, I'm telling you, this is one of the most beautiful things about what it means to follow Jesus is that we can go through the worst life has to offer and still experience unshakable joy. The psalmist said this, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. God is the place of joy. That's Psalm 43, verses 3 and 4, if you're taking notes. And so I want to give you two encouragements here as we think about being filled with the life of Jesus. As we imitate the Lord and imitate those who follow him so closely. Number one, we need to be intentional about who we surround ourselves with. Who, who are your closest friends? Who, who do you look to as a mentor to imitate their way of life? 
The Bible is so clear. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15.33, do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. But on the flip side, Proverbs 13.20 says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. And so we need to first evaluate who is it that we're surrounding ourselves with? Who are we following after as they follow Jesus? But then number two, this picture of receiving the word, receiving the life of Christ as we see what is worthy of imitation, a second just, I think, natural outcome from these verses is that we would develop an insatiable appetite for more of Jesus. An insatiable appetite for more of Jesus. I used a word that we do not use very often for a reason because I wanted you to stop long enough to think about what insatiable means. To be, something is insatiable. It means that it's, it's, you can't satisfy it. You just want more. You want more and more and more and more. That whatever it is that you love, that you can't get enough of, you have an insatiable appetite. You just say, I'll take more of that and more of that. And you would think that you would have enough. It's like, no, that's not enough. I want more and I want more and I want more and I want more. And this is what God wants for us. And we talked about it last week. Did you remember the, 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 the statement from one of our members that just was truly overwhelming. I, could be, I couldn't hardly get it out without tears just welling up. She, she was describing her relationship with God, and she said that things were a little bit off, but, but she, she realized that, that God is bringing her back to that closeness we both crave. The closeness we both crave. God wants it for you. He wants it with you. And that's what gets me fired up about the season of Lent. The Lent is a, about a 40-day journey of prayer and fasting that leads us up to Easter so that we can focus more on the things of God and less on the things of the world that we just grow so comfortable with. That might mean food. I want to really encourage you to pray about what was, might fasting look like in this season. Uh, but it may be technology or something else, right? Where, where there's just something that we uh, take in again and again and again. And God is saying, look, take in less of that and more of me. We have some, some prayer time set up uh, throughout this 40-day journey that I hope you will take advantage of. Uh, every Monday morning at the community center, we're going to be praying from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. And I know that's early, but it's intentionally early so that there's hopefully not much of an excuse of like, well, that's in the middle of my commute and I can't, you know, show up. It's like we're trying to remove barriers. And one of the ways is we just create a space where it's accessible. Now, somebody like, Pastor Tanner, I need to sleep right then. If, that, if that's you, cool. You have 30 more minutes to sleep on Wednesday, all right? Because on Wednesday, we have a Zoom that you don't even have to drive to. You can just roll out of bed, click the link, and pray with other people in our church family for 30 minutes there on Wednesday mornings. Then the week of March 12th through the 18th, we're going to have a week of prayer and fasting together as a church where we're leaning in together, praying about some very specific things on our hearts together. Not to mention this Friday night and good Friday, fire nights and good Friday after that. So many opportunities for us to seek God together, be, to be filled with the life of Jesus as we 
walk with him together. And, and Paul says, look, this, this is the result. When we, when we follow the example of people who are following Jesus so closely, then we become an example for others. This is, this is the result. Look at verse 7 again. He says, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. And the Greek word here, for example, is tupos. It means to model. It means, uh, to, to, again, to imitate uh, the life of, of someone else. And so now Paul could look at the life of this church, not just a few people, but remember Paul is writing to this entire church, and he's saying, you have become an example for others to follow. So first we are filled with the life of Jesus, and then Paul talks a couple, about a couple of ways where they're worthy of imitation themselves. And, and he says first in verse 8, he says that you have sounded forth the word of the Lord. Look at verse 8. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere. So, so number one, be filled with the life of Jesus. Number two, sound forth the word of of Jesus. This word here, it, it appears once in the New Testament right here. And when you look at other ancient literature, I love this, it was used to describe a clap of thunder. I mean, do you not love like a good thunderstorm and you hear the, the thunder rumbling off in the distance miles away and it's like it fills the whole earth with its rumble? This is what was used to describe this word, to sound forth. Um, others used it as the cry of a loud multitude. Others referred to it as a rumor that was running everywhere. So what God was doing here in Thessalonica was noising abroad. And, and what was sounding forth, we see right here, was the word of the Lord. The message of the gospel, what Paul had talked about, our gospel did not come to you in mere words, but in power. This was the word that the Thessalonians received, and then they were taking it, and they weren't whispering it to others, right? They, they, they weren't like, I think I'm going to sit on this for a few months, maybe a few years, and then I'll speak about it. And we all, we all, listen, listen, listen. We all struggle here. Most all of us, maybe not all of us, but most all of us struggle to sound forth the message of Jesus to the people we care about. But the example that, that we see here is that there, there is an opportunity for us to not just display the Christian life with our good deeds and the way we're nice people. I mean, redemption is full of nice people, amazingly kind people, the kind of people that will give you the shirt off their back, the kind of people that will take hours out of their day to serve you. This is great. This is beautiful. This is what we need to continue to, to do and to be as a church family. But this sounding forth the message is an area that we can certainly grow in. And, and that's what you said, not what our, our pastors were, were saying. Because when we took our chat survey, our health assessment, our, our church said, hey, 
we have a lot of things that we're strong in, but right now we could really grow in sounding forth the message of Jesus. So I want to help you with that this morning. How can we, how can we grow? How can this be a season we take advantage of the opportunities that God is, by the way, always putting before us, if we have eyes to see and courage to step into, that, that we can sound forth the word in this Easter season. I want to I break it down, hopefully super, super simple, okay? Number, number one, think about three stories, okay? Three stories. This is so simple. You don't even have to write it down. If you want to write it down because you're afraid, you know, in three weeks from now, you're going to forget, then definitely write it down. But three stories, okay? Number one, your story. Like what is happening in your life? And then communicating that to our friends, our neighbors, the the person we just, you know, met at the, 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 the bus stop where we're connecting our story with their story. And in that conversation, pointing to God's story. Got it? Our story, their story, God's story. A tool that we borrowed from some, some missionaries, uh, super helpful. This is called 15-second story. All right? If you, if you forgot about this, you never heard of it, this one be one to write down. Okay, check this out. There was a time in my life when I blank and blank. Just fill in whatever, whatever used to be part of your story. You just fill it in. And then I met Jesus... He, blank, and blank. Now because of him, I experience blank and blank. See that? Super, super simple framework. So, so let, me just, let me just share what this might sound like for me. There was a time in my life I lived with misguided priorities and relied on my own effort to take me places, even heaven. I might even slide in a little basketball practice with her to tell her about how I used to work really hard at basketball and I thought that working hard would impress God just like it would get me a little bit better on the basketball court. But that would be longer than 15 seconds, so you don't have to do that. All right, so there was a time I lived with misguided priorities and relied on my own effort to take me places, even heaven. Then I met Jesus. He loved me and forgave me of my sin through his work on the cross. Now I live with daily purpose and freedom. Do you have a story like that? You see that? My story, God's story, what about your story? And, and this isn't so often we get taught like, okay, this is, this, this is the gospel and, this is, and, and the good news, you can explain it like this. There's no cookie cutter formula to this stuff. It doesn't have to be your story, their story, and God's story. It could be their story, your story, and God's story. So, so, so this, is, if this is so simple, and yet it can be so supernatural as you're just having everyday conversations with the people you care about at work, wherever. It might look something like this. What's up? How you been? I mean, you might say it a little different, but you don't say it a lot different, right? How's your week? What's going on? You good? What's up? How you been? And they share something that's like really going on with them. Their story. And now you have an opportunity to say, 
I've been there. And so now their story is now matched up with your story. And most of us are, are pretty decent at that. Because why? Because we care about people. We, we actually love people, right? We have compassion. But where we can all probably grow is then connecting their story with our story to God's story. You're anxious about this project. I've, let me tell you about this time where I, was, I didn't even want to show up. I was so anxious. But God understands my anxieties, and he replaced them with his peace. This is how it happened. This can be as simple as that. This is the most important news that meets our most important need. This is the most important decision a person will ever make what they believe about Jesus Christ. And so I hope we'll, we'll, we'll lean into these opportunities. Listen, we can share the gospel in so many different ways. I mean, just, just think about, we, we had a guitar right up here on stage. And we're, we're, we're singing with the, the rhythm of a guitar. I mean, we can share the story of God, the story of the gospel, through something so simple as a guitar. God's world that he made was so beautiful and harmonious. Everything was always in rhythm. We experienced peace with God and peace with one another. Everything was exactly as we would want it to be. But then we took the guitar out of God's hands and we tried to play our own song. And it didn't sound so good. The Bible calls that sin. And our sin, when we reject God's ways and we do our own thing, it leads to pain, suffering, and brokenness. But the master composer himself, Jesus Christ, stepped in and took it back and made things right again through his life, death, and resurrection. So that if we would say, Jesus, you have done what I can never do and you have rewritten the song again to, to bring me back onto your rhythm and, and your lyrics and, and what you want for my life. If I just trust in you and I follow you in your plan, I can experience the life that you died to bring me. That's, that's the gospel in a couple of minutes through something as strange as a guitar, right? And these are the, the opportunities that are before us if we open our eyes and open our ears and listen to the Spirit of God. And by the way, listen, by the way, if you are here today and you are saying my life feels out of rhythm and I'm not experiencing the peace that God created me for, I want to encourage you today to say yes to Jesus, to follow him with your life and experience all that he desires for you to experience through his life, death, and just cry out and say, God, I need you, and I am committing to follow you with everything I have by your good grace. So we want to be, we want to be the kind of church that is sounding forth the word of Jesus, but then finally, our vision for Boston is that 
as we sound forth the word of Jesus, that we would also, number three, display a lifestyle of faith in Jesus. See, Paul goes on, he says, For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere. What what, what Paul is is saying here, some scholars say that your faith in God going forth everywhere is just synonymous. It's just a parallel statement of the word of the Lord sounding forth. But I don't think that's what's going on here. Why? Because he contrasts not only is the word sounding forth, but your faith is going forth everywhere. In other words, the way that you live your life, the way that you're faithfully following Jesus every day, people are hearing about, they're finding out about the way that you love God and love the people around you. And Paul is going to then describe their faith as we're going to see next week in verse 9 because he's going to say, for they themselves report Concerning us, the kind of reception we had among you, how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And so, so what, what is happening here is Paul is saying, look, you're not just talking a good game about Jesus. You're not just sounding forth the word of Christ, but you are backing that up with your life. One of the things that we've been trying to press into as we kick off this new year and we think about uh, praying in Boston as in heaven as we want to bring a blessing to the people around us through our everyday acts of kindness, service, and love. Is we're saying this, it always has to be both. I mean, at least as, 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 as we... As we follow Jesus day by day, that that we're going to, yes, show people the love of Christ with how we love and serve, but then we're also going to match up our actions with the actual message of Christ. And so we say this, words without action is hypocrisy. Agree? Amen? Words without action is hypocrisy. One of the greatest barriers of those yet to believe in Jesus is hypocrisy, right, where where our lives don't match up with the message, or it's assumed hypocrisy, like people just like what they hear on the news, and this crazy Christian, and this part of the world did this crazy thing, and it's like all Christians are hypocrites, they assume like we're hypocrites. Well, how we're going to overcome that barrier and objection is by living out a true faith that demonstrates actual authenticity by the way that we live our lives. We go and show people Jesus. We let them see his love and his compassion in us. But it's not just that words without action is hypocrisy, but actions without words is inauthenticity. It's inauthenticity. You say, Tanner, what are you talking about? We also must use actual words because just just as much as those words, words without action is hypocrisy, so action without words is, is inauthenticity. And this is, this is the proof. If Jesus is in you, okay, like if you follow Jesus and Jesus is in you, and you do a thousand good things for people, and yet you're always hiding Jesus as the, the, the motivation and the reason that you actually live the, your life the way that you do, People don't know the real you. 
And so it must be both. These are always going together. And so I hope, listen, I hope as we, as we move out this Lent season, as we seek to live a life of faith, as we seek to sound forth the word of Christ, as we are being filled up with Jesus day by day by day, I hope we will believe more and more that we can live as an exemplary church by the filling of Jesus flowing through us. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you, God, for this word. God, we thank you for the call that you've given us in Christ. And Father, it's our prayer, Lord, that that these would be more than words today. That as we consider the life of Christ and what you invite us into, that you would stir our faith, you would stir our belief to say, God, you can do this, not just in me, God, you can do this in us. And so, God, we're here today to ask the question, why not us? Why not us? Father, we pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit to to live the Christ life everywhere we go and that we would encourage one another in this process, in our, in our groups, in our relationships, as we serve you together, Lord, that, that, we, would, that we would come alongside and, 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 and just encourage one another to live out our faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we're going to sing a new song. And I want to encourage you, listen, if you want to pray right, right where you are, pray right where you are. But... We don't have a prayer team today, but this can be a, a place of prayer. If you just, you feel that, hey, I just want to get some space to, to kneel before God. We sang it earlier, the battle belongs, that, that when we fight, we'll fight on our knees with our hands. With our Maybe you just want to come and kneel before God in this, this open space and say, God, there are some people that I care about that I want your word to sound forth to them. I need you to work in my life in such a way that, that you're bringing your life to me where, where you're reviving me so I'm living the life that you've called me to live. Listen, however God is leading you to respond today, let's seek his face, let's do it together as we ask, why not us? Why not us? Let's sing together.